Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now this one dedicated to the girl with the angel face and the blood. Oh, yeah, it's your lunchtime edition at WABC featuring yours truly, Curtis Lee. First, uh, Lou, so good to hear that uh, Mike uh, Slacker idiot from San Diego is not on. Replacing Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, uh, Labor Day's back at it. He was on yesterday, today. And this is, remember, the week of the 100th anniversary of WABC, once again resurrected from the dead by John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media, to be once again the number one news talk station in the nation. And we can only stay that way if we give you live and local as we did most of the weekend, I would say 95% of the time. And we'll now plunge forward into September as the kids are returning to work. But, oh, I've got a recap. I've got a recap of the West Indian uh, Caribbean Day Parade because, you know, the McWhitey Whiteys didn't go there. The press corps, at least they went initially for the politicians. But by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they were gone along with the politicians because they don't want to hang around. When the flags go up, I'll explain that momentarily. Juve is what precedes the West Indian Day Parade, a nonsensical so-called celebration through the wee hours of the morning that required us having to uh, send into our army of NYPD cops. They didn't mind. They're making triple time, platinum time, holiday pay. But how ridiculous to still allow that to take place when you don't even see that taking place back in the countries of origin in the West Indies and the Caribbean. But let me give you an update of what transpired yesterday. As you know, I was part of the team that was giving you live and updated broadcasting as we do here at WABC. And then I flew out the door and I was on uh, the train heading to Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn outside of the Brooklyn Library and in the shadow of the Ark, not to Triumph, but to the Civil War heroes of the North who persevered against uh, uh, all enemies of the Union. A lot of people don't even know what that arc is for. But anyway, so I started to work my way through the crowd. The Guardian Angels had already been there earlier, and they had been with Team Zeldin. Uh, they started out a bit too early, but I guess the theory is that the only people who are going to be out early are the people who are actually going to vote. That's pretty good. Zeldin and his uh, teammate, Esposito, were well-received, although a very sparse crowd at that point. And then the Democrats came marching through, right? There was Grandma, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, who was running, running in the aftermath of the end of the parade because the New York Post was dogging her, saying, hey, when are you going to debate Zeldin? When are you going to debate Zeldin? The most recent poll says you're only four percentage points ahead. Look at this. Oh, my God. The stats here say that people continue to exodus the city and the state that we have experienced the largest drop in life expectancy in the nation and under the no-cash rules that you've maintained, uh, bail, uh, crime is accelerating all over the state of New York. Well, she did the bird. She jumped into her SUV and she fled. And by the time I arrived, Lou, just uh, finishing uh, his parade with his GQ boys, I'll explain that, 
his entourage of uh, police now. I refer to as the GQ boys. That's the mayor of the city of New York. The swagger man, Eric Adams, who has no plan. So he finished up, and he's getting into his SUV. And so I approach the GQ boys that surround him, members of the NYPD Intel Division. They're all wearing polo shirts, just like the boss, Eric Adams, right? And I say, hey, Eric, well, you don't know who I am, Eric. Scene right out of the King of Comedy. Remember when De Niro was saying to Jerry Lewis, hey, Jerry, you don't know who I am. So Eric is ignoring me. So I'm dogging these cops in their polo shirts, and they're, like, really annoyed with me. But tough noogies, we pay their salaries, and they do nothing. So I'm looking in the SUV. My God, Lou, it was like we were in the cleaners. All the suits, all the shirts, all the ties were lined up. And then in the back, the brother opens it up. The guy who actually had a sense of humor. I should have gotten his name, but if he got caught talking with me, he would have been back walking a beat in Coney Island at 3 in the morning in the 60th precinct. All kinds of clothing in the back. Eric Adams is worse than his mentor, David Dinkins. Look, David Dinkins, uh, when he was mayor and destroyed this city that we love, would change three times a day and have his aide-de-camp, Arnie Segura, carry the suit bag around. Three times a day he would change. Eric Adams, the entire SUV that we pay for, is like a dry-cleaning store. Oh, my God. And then I was hustled away. You know, the, the GQ boys say, yo, 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 yo. I said, where's Bernard? I thought Bernard, his brother, was hired to, to protect uh, Eric from the white supremacists. And I said, oh, I guess that's right. There are no white supremacists at the West Indian Caribbean Day Parade. That's why they gave him the day off. Oh, man, were they pissed at me. The crowd loved it, though. The crowd love it. So, Lou, I'm running through the crowd. I'm high-fiving them, right? Some of them will go, yo, blood clot. You're rude, boys. Yeah, yeah, I'm a blood clot. Meantime, the reporters, they have no idea what the hell is being said, right? They're packing up their gear. They're out of it. Because, Lou, at 2 o'clock, the parade becomes ominous. Flags up. All the young boys and all the young girls are running through the streets. They're surrounding these 18-wheel tractor trailers that have boom boxes the side of a four-story building. And, I mean, they're blasting so hard that the windows are shaking on both sides of Eastern Parkway in the houses and tenements that align itself all the way to the Brooklyn Museum. And, I mean, these folks, they're partying. Now, I got to... I got to let you know, Lou, that most of the uh, people who were parading, because, you know, you would think you would have more people observing than in parading. No, they're all going over the police barricades. The cops are like, uh, Alfred E. Newman, what me worry, nothing I can do. Uh, they're, They're just joining the crowd, and they were mostly smoking splits. And believe it or not, they were actually quieter then the crew that was following some of the 18-wheel tractor trailers with the boomboxes playing the dancehall reggae, they were drinking. The guys and gals who were drinking were more out of control. In fact, I could smell the alcohol from like half a block away. So I actually, Curtis Lee says, even though I probably got high from the secondary smoke, the plume that hung over Eastern Parkway, I prefer that if you're going to get intoxicated, smoke reefer and marijuana... On Labor Day, the West Indian Day, Caribbean Day Parade, because it struck me 
that you were a lot more in control than the rowdies who were drinking every conceivable liquid. I mean, man, they were like blitz. And they were like, yo, 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 man, yo, man. Well, yo, this is our parade. What are you doing here, white boy? I said, you own this street, man? Let me see. You got a deed? Yeah, oh, man, I was beefing with them, beefing. But the smell of alcohol also just got me high from the smell of alcohol. But I loved every second of it. Loved it. And people were saying, Curtis, how come you always come and you stay until the end of the parade? Because that's where the action is. The politicians don't see it. They, they don't want to be there. Uh, the local officials, they don't want to see it. They don't want to be there. Unfortunately, the cops are stuck there, and they have to deal with it. I will say this, so, Lou, uh, generally a lot of the guys get a little frisky, and they want to dagger the females who are scantily clad, and oftentimes a female will start touching uh, her toes and her ankles, and it's almost like she's giving you the right to come behind her and simulate sex on Eastern Parkway. I didn't see a lot of that. I saw a lot of females who were actually batting the rude boys away, the blood clots, and they actually preferred some of the women coming behind them. Oh, yeah, and daggering them, which says, are they uh, heterosexual? Are they lesbians? Or are they non-binary? I wasn't going to stand around and try to dissect and bisect that. But, <laughs> hey, hey, you know, as Kathy Crime Wave Hochul was running away, it was interesting because in years past, it would have been Andrew Evilized Cuomo. He would have been there behind the banner. He would have been waving to the crowd. He would have been loving every moment of it because he would have been saying, you see, you see, black people love me. Now, I see in Cindy Adams' column today, she devotes her entire column in the New York Post to Andrew Evilized Cuomo who has hunkered down with his brother Fredo in the Sam Southampton estate, stirring the marinara sauce and hitting the mattresses. And she has a big picture of Andrew Evilized Cuomo with El Capitan, his dog, remember, that he left that he left at the governor's mansion? Yes, he left him there when all of a sudden he resigned on Eagle Street. And immediately Rob Cole, who was running my campaign at the time for mayor, said, Curtis, Nancy, we must go on a mission of mercy. We must rescue your animal rescuers, right? We said, yes. We must go on up the New York State Thruway to Albany and rescue El Capitan, who is still there at the executive mansion. And when we approached the gates, the state trooper said, please, Curtis, take, take El Capitan. He keeps biting us. He keeps biting us in the legs and the knees. He keeps jumping up on us. Pumping our legs because the governor didn't get him fixed or neutered. Look at him. He's humping my leg right now. Yeah, I say, yeah, just like the governor. Like governor, like El Capitan. And do you know, Lou, that immediately the former governor of the state of New York, who was already at the, uh, the compound of Fredo, stirring the marinara sauce, hitting the mattresses, actually signaled up to people he knew that were still in the executive mansion and said, heavens to Betsy, no, a thousand times no. I will never live with the insult and the injury if Curtis Lee rescues El Capitan from me. So he drove all the way back up. That's right, to get El Capitan as El Capitan continued to hump the state troopers' legs and nip them and bite them. Thank you, uh, Cindy Adams, for giving us an update. 
And meantime, as I was working my way through the crowd, there were a number of Democrats, sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys there. I will give credit to the Democrat Socialists of America. They stood around a little bit. You know, Jumani Williams, who hates cops, wants to turn all the criminals loose. The meaningless, feckless public advocate and Brad Lander, the controller, who's a real socialist. There goes our money. They actually uh, high-fived me, believe it or not. The DSA was around saying, Curtis, Curtis, look. Look at how many people were shot in Chi-Town. 55, 12 dead. In Philly, 20 dead. No, excuse me. 28 shot, 10 dead. Hey, look, even up there in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan, in Canada. Look at how many were killed up there. 11 were killed. 20 others were stabbed. We only had seven shot, one dead in New York. I said, you think that's something we should be proud of? Seven shot, one dead. Hey, hey, we're doing a lot better. Oh, Madonna, my. I said, what about that husband and that wife who were crossing over the Williamsburg Bridge on Saturday night with a four-year-old? in the kitty seat in the back and bullets were flying and hit the uh, mother who was sitting in the passenger seat. Thank God she survived. And the father said, oh, my God, New York City has become a war zone. We're never coming back. And then, Lou, this is really shameful. Frankie Diaz, you know, he's uh, Jimmy Olsen of reporters, crack reporters here at WABC. But he's JV. He's not varsity yet. And he covers the Bronx Beat. But he's been sitting shiver ever since they closed the lobster box at the end of City Island. No more lobster box. It's the end of life as we know. So I said, hey, Frankie, did you see what happened at the U.S. Postal Service office? The post office there on Castle Hill. He said, what, what? I said, now believe this. Now, Lou, no, uh, get your uh, get your schnoz out, because I smell a lot of stink. They claim that a Bronx postal worker was pistol whipped by a gunman who then robbed $100,000 from the post office safe. Why would $100,000 be in a post office safe in Castle Hill? Apparently, the postal worker was standing outside the Castle Hill Avenue post office branch around 7 a.m. this morning when the crook pistol whipped her, ordered her to open the post office, and then the safe. The post office was not scheduled to be open until 8. Uh, Lou, inside job, inside job. Beep, beep, beep. In fact, what would Mark Levin say? Wake up. Again? Wake up. Damn right. Wake up. So the NYPD was ready to investigate, but the FBI, which used to be for forever busting Italians after 9-11, forever busting Islamists, said, we're taking over. Get the hell out of here. You know this is an inside job. This is something the NYPD could have dealt with. Hey, FBI, continue to be political and don't act like you're doing your job. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Underlay, Yes, Lou, the illegal aliens keep pouring in. To the Port Authority of the city of New York, bus after bus as they pound the hound, Governor Abbott, putting them on the buses and saying, hey, we're not a sanctuary uh, state. 
I'll send them to sanctuary cities. First it was Washington. New York continues to receive our fair share, right? We don't seem to want them, but we're stuck with them. And then, of course, there is um, there is Chi-Town in which uh, the mayor there, Lightfoot, Lightweight, is claiming that Abbott is a racist, even though he is married to a Latina, the first Latina first lady in Texas and Austin. But anyway, speaking of a woman who is the first female vice president. That's right. <laughs> Giggles Harris <laughs> from California told a real whopper. She must be breathing the same air as her boss, the president, Joe Biden, because she said she first tried grapes in her 20s because she would never cross a picket line that had been put up by the United Farm Workers Union of Cesar Chavez. But a review of the dates involved reveals problems with the account. Eating table grapes was shunned by labor activists from the time Harris was 19 to 36, meaning that Vice President Harris would have indeed flouted a picket line if her story was true. Well, what the hell? If Biden can tell a whopper a day, why not? <laughs> Giggles, Vice President Harris. By the way, to uh, all of those Democrats, liberals and progressives who always use the name of Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers Union, he was opposed to illegal aliens. Why? Because the field workers who were either here on a work visa or green card or with citizens would be paid less as a result. And he was pro-life. So remember, every time you mention Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers Union... He seems to have been opposed to everything you claim you're for. Meantime, there he was again from the bully pulpit on Sunday. I know that you, you, Lou, as a good Catholic, schlepped all the way to St. Patrick's Cathedral to hear the homily of Cardinal Dolan, who once again said, we love them, we welcome them, but we're not going to pay for them. Uh, I'm speaking of Catholic charities, of course. I'm going I'm to give you the update of my research project that the reporters have failed to do. But once again, he was saying, Andale, Andale, we love you. Just like Papa Chula Joe Biden did when he was candidate against then-President uh, President, uh, Trump, when he was saying, who's your daddy? I'm your Papa Chulo. Come one, come all to America. And boy, they haven't stopped since. Meantime, for all of you who live out in Strong Island, guess what if you're in Nassau and Suffolk? All kinds of demonstrations this weekend, not in the streets, but the imams from their mosques on the day of prayer, Juma on Friday, to the Holy Roller Pentecostals on Saturday, to the Roman Catholics uh, from their bully pulpit on Sunday. They were saying, we vowed to help the immigrants bust in from Texas. Let them come to Nassau. Let them come to Suffolk. Mm -hmm. Let's see, that's how MS-13 ended up in Brentwood, Central Islam, uh, Slip, blah, 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 the Danch, and of course, Hampton Bay. But, let's put that aside. Let's get down to my research here, Lou. Uh, put that just a little lower, a titch lower here. So I don't accept anything that is being said, the propaganda that is out there by the politicians, pro or con or in between. I say it's time to put boots on the ground because, once again, the press has let us down. They need to wake up. They really do. They need to wake up. Wake up. Damn right. Wake up. Wake up. So I figured, hey, you know what? I finished the West Indian Caribbean Day Parade about 5 o'clock. 
And I headed to uh, Hell's Kitchen that has now once again earned that name of Hell's Kitchen because, I mean, it's hell. So where did I go, Lou? I went to the epicenter of all problems in Hell's Kitchen. In fact, it was just a stabbing as a result of one of their clients. They call them clients. In what used to be the Skyline Hotel, which is now a homeless shelter, although it still says Skyline Hotel. So Wednesday night, a guy was knifed and killed on 50th and 10th. And then a woman was knifed. Thankfully, she survived on 10th by one of their clients. So I said, let me go check out the Skyline Hotel uh, myself on 49th and 10th. I remember it was never a high-quality hotel. So I said, let's do research. Wow, it's listed as a three-star hotel. So as I start walking up to the Skyline Hotel up 10th Avenue, I see what, how can I best describe it? A group of Apple heads from Wisconsin getting out of a lift car, having come from the airport, LaGuardia, and I asked them, what were they doing there? And they said, Curtis, they recognized me from organizing Guardian Angels in Milwaukee. They said, oh, we've rented out rooms for the next week at the Skyline Hotel. I said, you realize this is a homeless shelter, and it's been a lot of trouble here. Well, what the Skyline Hotel doesn't tell the tourists is they have themselves listed as a three-star hotel, and naturally... <laughs> they have always 10 rooms set aside for the sucker tourists who have no idea that they're crawling into the belly of the beast. So I told the Appleheads from Wisconsin, I said, man, I think you might want to think about different uh, accommodations. They say, hey, thanks for the heads up, Curtis. Well, you see these shelters, it's a scam. And in fact, the Department of Homeless Services uh, leader... Jenkins, still on his vacation in Mexico, not expected to return until tomorrow. Two-week vacation in the midst of this Michigash. Thank you, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, for coming to his defense instead of firing him. But what they do is they outsource housing the homeless to nonprofits. They're nonprofits in name only. Because then what happens is all the ancillary businesses that provide services to the nonprofit happen to be owned by those who are in charge of the nonprofit. So it's a way to circulate the money. Follow the money. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Follow the money. And here's the other scam, Lou, again, that the uh, reporters don't bust their shoes and uh, alert you, that you can get 500 to $600 a room from us, the taxpayers, if you, let's say, have a family of six, if you can prove that the mother is addicted to drugs and no father around, well, that's usually the case. Uh, you know, it's a Mac Daddy man who shows up probably only at the end of the month to try to take the check. And uh, you can get 500 to $600 a room from us, the taxpayers, at the Skyline Hotel and others. And by the way, as I walked around the area and I knew it well, that used to be where the Westies were. Oh, yeah, Mickey Featherstone, Coogan, all the rest. It used to give me a hard time when the Guardian Angels had a headquarters on 46th and 8th, and we were dealing with the crack cocaine epidemic in Hell's Kitchen Park. But this shelter is near schools. 
And there are sex offenders and pedophiles that are in these shelters. Now, they'll tell you, oh, no, 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 if they're a sex offender or a pedophile, they're all housed on Ward's Island. Bull feathers, bull feathers. They tell you Ward's Island is full now. And by the way, every day, the city bus goes out to Ward's Island and brings those who are shelter residents back into the city. And they're expected to go back to Ward's Island by 10 o'clock at night. That's the curfew. Or they lose their bed. But my main reason for making the visit was to go to 525 West 52nd Street, the headquarters of uh, New York's Red Cross, that will be housing homeless people who are illegal aliens and processing them so that they could be sent out throughout the five boroughs. And if there are suckers, I mean uh, do-gooders in Nassau and Suffolk and Jersey who want to take the excess, there is an $8 million contract that Catholic Charities has taken to do all the paperwork. Mm. Follow the money. Follow the money. But from the uh, illegal uh, aliens, let's go to uh, the bankers, the hedge fund monsters, and those who are selling uh, Bitcoin as Bitcoin bandits and cyber currency uh, Ponzi schemers. Today, Lou, in the rain is Judgment Day. The banks are beginning to pressure workers to return full-time as summer is over. So as all these big shots return from the Hamptons in helicopters, you have Jamie Dimon, you have Goldmine Sachs saying, that's it. You either return to your work stall or it's il finito. What they still don't realize is that the majority of their workers are women. Nightlife is dependent on women in New York City, restaurants, bars, because, Lou, as you know, if there are no women... You're going to have very few men unless there are men who just like men. And that is a small percentage of the population. So uh, here it is. They've thrown the gauntlet down. Sixty percent of the office buildings in New York City are empty. The workers are continuing to do their virtual work from their home boroughs, from their townships, from their villages, from the tri-state area. And they said, look, I have a good quality of life. I'm able to spend more quality time with my kids. I'm able to check up on my husband who was always telling me, uh, Lou, you know, I got to do extra work. Meantime, he had a home slice on the side of Gomada. Things are a lot better. I'm not coming back. There's too much crime in the subways. There's homeless people emotionally disturbed everywhere. Four pages today devoted. Front page of Long Island's Newsday. Congestion pricing concerns. The conclusion of folks out in Long Island who are living there, are employed, in Manhattan, is that if you impose congestion pricing, there is no way we're ever going to be able to come in to work because you think we're going to get back on the Long Island Railroad. Very few people taking it. And, oh, yeah, Lou, that link, you know, that finally will hook up after billions and billions of dollars to Grand Central. Why do we spend all that money for that? There's nobody riding the Long Island Railroad. They're not coming back. And now they're going to drop congestion pricing on everyone. How smart is that? But naturally, the big business leaders in New York City are saying we have to have congestion pricing to support the MTA, the money-taking agency, the buses and the subways, especially that are the feeder line for the workers. Well, guess what? Big story in the Daily News. Uh, 35% of the people are not paying their bus fares. And 24% of the people are not paying their subway fares. And basically, it's see as uh, what I do, and then just follow me. 
right through the gate, right through the emergency gate. One person goes through, they call underneath the turnstile, and then they open up the gate, and then everybody else pours through, and they don't pay their fare. And there's no attempt at fare abatement, at subway enforcement, that you got to pay your fare or pay your fare on the bus. So the MTA, the money-taking agency, claims it's going to be $3 billion in debt next year, and it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And they have a board of very prominent New Yorkers. That's right, Lou, I've looked at this board of very prominent New Yorkers. Not one of them takes the subways or buses, and they're going to figure out all this, Mishigash. Bull feathers, bull feathers. Meantime, high-profile Russians continue to mysteriously fall from the, from the heights of their condos around the world, out of the windows. They were friends of Putin, but all they did was criticize him at a cocktail party. They're dead. Meantime, because of Putin cutting off the gas and the petroleum products to the west of Europe, the euro slides below 99 cents after Russia has said, guess what, we're going to cripple you. And what is the uh, articles in return? The articles in return, another day, another report about Putin's declining health and demise any point. They said Russian President Vladimir Putin appeared uneasy during a visit to the Russian Far East provinces. In fact, he uh, was doing a, a double take, uh, what we call the shake and bake. Uh, <laughs> they have been predicting his demise. They claimed he had blood cancer, brain cancer. And guess what? He's taking a licking and he comes back ticking. Hey, but don't uh, have no fear. Zelensky says, hey, we've, we've gone on the offensive in the southern Ukraine. We're taking about villages and boroughs as this particular war is going to continue to grind on and grind on. And it will eventually destroy economically Europe. Europe is going to capitulate. Europe cannot continue to function as the euro plunges as they no longer will have the natural gas and the petroleum products to get them through, in fact, a cold winter. They better pray for global warming, climate change, that we have an exceedingly warm weather. And on that note, did you notice, Lou, that once again, NASA, that's back in business, NASA, after 50 years promising that we are going to put astronauts back on the moon, we're going to colonize the moon in the race for space we're going to beat the Soviets, the modern Russian cosmonauts. We're going to beat the Red Chinese. We're going to beat Israel. We're going to beat India. We no longer have to worry about Brazil because their space program has imploded. But Artemis 1 was canceled for its moon launch a second time as they had 400,000 people down at Cape Canaveral. I will not call it Cape Kennedy. Cape Canaveral, who were expecting a moon launch. Meantime, they say, oh, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, we're not totally locked down. We can't do it. Even though they're sending into space three mannequins. It's not a manned flight. It will not land on the moon. It will only go around the moon and was expected to return within 34 days. This is what I suggest because this is embarrassing. Two attempted uh, space lifts in two separate weekends. Failure on the part of NASA. Why don't we just subcontract out all of this business of trying to be the first to actually colonize the moon on behalf of us to either Elon Musk, the South African, who runs, uh, what is that, SpaceX? Or as much as I hate him, Jeff Bezos, the billionaire, and Blue Origin, because this is completely embarrassing. NASA, remember the Mercury program.
Remember the Apollo program. Remember John Glenn circling the Earth three times. And we then superseded the cosmos, cosmonauts in the race for space during the Cold War. And now we can't even launch a rocket to circle the moon. This is embarrassing. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, no. Oh, no, Lou. Why the hell are you playing this song? Where it began. This is the song of a traitor. Who traitor. This is the song of one of our own who accepted 30 pieces of silver. Let me tell you, Neil Diamond, right? Brooklyn boy. We saw Cousin Brucey here today in advance of our 100-year anniversary this week. Brooklyn boy. I didn't have the conversation with Cousin Brucey because he doesn't like controversy. He doesn't like to upset anybody. But this Brooklyn boy upsets everybody, Lou. Did you see all the octococcus there lined up to see the Neil Diamond musical on the Great White Way Broadway? Oh, Neil. Oh, Neil. I remember when when he went to Erasmus High School in Flatbush with the schnoz, Barbara Streisand, right? I hate him. I loathe him. I despise him. Why? Because of one reason, one reason alone. This song of his, Sweet Caroline. It's the theme for the evil Boston Red Sox. How many times did they play that, especially when they're at Yankee Stadium, and I say, oh, man, that cannot be forgiven. Now, I know a lot of you are probably saying, come on, Curtis, ease up. Wait, how many groups and individuals have said to the Trump campaign and to Donald Trump, do not play my songs at your rallies? Like the rally we just saw in Pennsylvania on Saturday when he declared death and destruction on the Democrats after uh, Joe Biden, his nemesis, declared death and destruction on MAGA Republicans and Trump uh, outside of Independence Hall on Thursday night, bathed in red lights. Man, was that weird. Now, how many groups and how many individuals, Lou, have said never again play my song at a Trump rally, right? And... They have to stop playing those songs. Has Neil Diamond ever once told the Red Sox, you got to stop playing Sweet Caroline? I'm not permitting it. I own the trademark. I own the copyright. I own everything. I wrote it. I sang it. You got to stop, cease, and desist. No, because his heart is in Boston, not in Brooklyn. I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't want to hear that song anymore, by the way. Uh, my wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer, is in the streets of uh, Brooklyn as we speak, uh, rescuing cats. Uh, she has a report from Sunset Park that the rains are heavy. In fact, this is the uh, most rainfall that we're going to have here and throughout the tri-state area since July. We need it because uh, a lot of areas are under drought restriction. It's not as bad as in California and in Southwest uh, where they have uh, depleted their their water resources, they're in uh, triple trouble there. But we need the rain. The problem is, look at all the garbage and the flotsam and jetsam. This city is so dirty, so filled with garbage, that they ordered the sanitation department to work on Labor Day to try to catch up. They didn't. And all of the garbage in the side streets are flowing into the catch basins and the sewers. And there's a real 
potential that they're going to flood out tonight. So be careful. And by the way, this alternate side of the street parking that they put back into effect, you know what it's done. Uh, what the hell happened there? What do you got me? Uh, you sabotaging me here? Lou, what, what are you working for the Eric Adams administration? I sound like I'm talking in a tunnel. What did I blow out all the hoofers and tweeters here on the number one news talk station in the nation? 50,000 powerful watts of sound. I'll make up for it with my volume. Don't do me any favors, Lou. Anyway, be careful of flooding because of all the excess garbage and the flotsam and jetsam. Meantime, got to give you an update on Eric Adams, uh, the swagger man with no plan. Uh, last night at about 7 o'clock, according to video that his own team took, as a good Samaritan, he got out of his car right, in the, right on the corner of the United Nations, 42nd Street, 1st Avenue, and pushed the car of a motorist in distress. Now, immediately, our crackerjack, uh, Jimmy Olsen, our junior reporter here on the WABC staff noticed things that were quite peculiar. Eric Adams was wearing uh, earbuds listening to music while supposedly, Lou, he was in the middle pushing. And his GQ boys were actually doing the pushing. When the guy got out of the car, the guy was an MTA employee. He said, oh, Mashiach, you saved me, Eric Adams. That's it myself. You're kidding. Frank Diaz, he was an MTA employee. How come he's driving his car and not taking the subways and buses? That's number one. Number two, wake up, reporters. Wake, wake up. up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Why was he at 42nd and 1st Avenue outside of the United Nations? Lou, how many times have I been saying he's staying at the Trump Tower right across from the United Nations, 90 stories high, he goes in through the garage. He's been seen doing this over and over. And just, you know who happens to be residing there? His very dear friends, the crooks who own that restaurant on West 52nd Street, felons that he is associating with. In fact, if he were a cop, he'd have to give up his badge and his gun. He'd be fired for doing this. But he goes up into Trump Tower. What the hell is he doing in the Petrosian's uh condo when uh, Gracie Mansion is just, oh, not that far away. You know, this reminds me, remember Cory Booker used to do this, tweet out, look at me, I rescued a kitty in the tree when he was mayor of Newark. I ran into a burning building. Oh, I, I ran between gunfire. I live in Newark. I have a boo. All of that proved to not be true. By the way, he doesn't do that anymore. And let's not forget Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo. Oh, I helped a motorist in distress. Oh, we pulled her out of a ditch. Oh, I was digging snow in the middle of a snowstorm. It's all propaganda, and yet the media runs with it. Where is the secondary proof?